Welcome in to Dig City, Purdue Volleyball Podcast, hosted by myself, Daniel Gilman, the voice of the Purdue Boilermakers volleyball team, alongside the head coach of Purdue Volleyball, the head of Holloway, Dave Shondell. It's episode five. Where has the time gone as we are now into the heart of the 10-week war? Conference play is beginning this weekend. Coach, where can you evaluate your team after the last few weeks? Well, I feel like we've we've had a good run. Uh, we've won six in a row playing, you know, pretty solid competition and you can see the improvement in our team I feel like our schedule has been really good it's it's placed us in a position RPI wise where I think we're 10 or 11 um, going into conference play and you know yeah you'd like to be one but there's 335 schools playing division one volleyball and it's a guessing game when you start the season or you start to make out that schedule on how good the people are going to be that you play in non-conference. Clearly, conference play, you have no choice. That schedule is made for you. Those 20 matches are put on your on your plate by uh, the schedule maker. But you do schedule um, with the help of your staff and, and others uh, the non-conference uh, dates and uh, I think it's worked out pretty well. A lot of lot because our team has played well and, and won some matches. The match against Louisville, the match against Kentucky are two that I think as time moves on, that those will look pretty good. I think Ohio U is another match. I think they're going to be a team that's going to be be awfully good. And even though we lost Notre Dame, the fact we played them, we add their win loss record to our opponents' win loss record, and I think they'll win a handful as well. How good did it feel following that, you know, revenge type game against Kentucky? Because we talked in our pre-match interview about how you didn't want the players to just look at it like any other game. You wanted that storyline. You wanted that, Mm -hmm. you know, chip on their shoulder. And so you come out with a victory in five sets in Lexington. Well, I think, you know, you need all you all you have. You need to use the motivation that you can find when you play a team like Kentucky at Kentucky. And uh, this is a Kentucky team is. Um, I know I mentioned to somebody they had the they have the coach of the year from the SEC last year. They had the player of the year. They had the setter of the year. They had the freshman of the year, and they have a two-time uh, all-conference player from the ACC that joined them this year. So they're they're loaded with talent, and uh, they brought all their horses to the race. And um, we we found a way to to play great in that fifth match, fifth set, excuse me. And jump out to a eight or nine to zero lead, and and uh, it's tough for a team to come back if they're down eight or nine to zero in a fifth game. So uh, it it was fun. Now the, the funny thing is that the enjoyment of winning at Kentucky did not diminish the agony of losing at Notre Dame. I mean, you know, you, that's the thing that losing always hurts a lot more than the winning makes you feel good. Uh, but it was a great win, and it made uh, the trip home. Very, very nice, and um, we we use that as I think momentum going into this weekend, and we had a good weekend here in the Stacy Clark Classic as well. And so you go back to the LUV Invitational in Nashville, the tournament we kind of previewed in our last episode, episode four. And Caitlin Newton was a rock star; she won MVP of that, and then she comes out and bombs it. You know, does the interview with on ESPN? She was absolutely brilliant there in Kentucky. What can you say about, you know, your junior from Terre Haute? I love Caitlin Newton, uh, and I have for a long, long time. There were not a lot of uh, big Power Five conferences, Big Ten coaches that were knocking at her door uh, when she was a senior or, or, I guess, a sophomore at Terre Haute South High School, but I was. And uh, we felt like, you know, she had some of the toughness and stubbornness and uh, a hitting arm that could 
do great things in this league. And uh, but she's willed herself uh, with her effort um, and and commitment to be a great outside hitter in our league. And she has had a great start to the season. Uh, but once you become that kind of a player, it's really, really important that you find a way to bring it every single night because your team is dependent on you to do that. She has the ability to do that. And uh, hopefully she'll just become a, a terrific, consistent performer for us this season. And then every time, you know, your star player or someone who's been your star kind of has an off day, you need someone to step up. And that was Grace on Saturday against EMU to finish out the Stacy Clark Classic in, you know, perfect form. Grace was nearly perfect all weekend long. I think she had one error on Friday and then four or five on something like 50 swings and 25 kills on Saturday. And so Grace named MVP of the Stacy Clark Classic. And so if you could talk a little bit about what Stacy Clark meant to you as well and how important it was to once again go undefeated in that weekend. Well, I really enjoyed the field of teams that were here. And um, I think on the surface, when you schedule Eastern Michigan, Murray State, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi, some people might be scratching their head trying to figure out how that all came together and if that was going to be productive for you. But I believe when this season is over, we'll look back at those three matches and those teams are going to have very successful seasons. Uh, I could see all three of those team win- teams winning 20 matches this year. And that's how I you know, define a successful tournament is how those teams going to perform down the stretch. And then you need to win, you need to beat them, which we did. Um, first on Grace Cleveland, um, it was maybe the first time this year that she showed um, what we've seen in practice on a consistent basis. Uh, her dominance with uh, just a wide array of shots that she can hit, hitting from the front row, uh, uh, the nine ball she hits all, all the time on the right side, but also hitting out of the middle, hitting out of the back row, both the pipe and the, the C or D set that she likes, and uh, also being a great blocker, but just the presence on the floor that draws everybody's attention. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Grace will do nothing but get better every single match the rest of her career. So I'm excited about her. The, the Stacy Clark Classic was a tournament we started three years ago uh, in which we honored. Stacy Clark and Stacy was uh, uh, just the most wonderful person and was uh, she ran what was called our, our our gold block club which was a booster club for our, our program but more than that uh, she was a friend to our staff she was uh, a friend to our players she did everything she could it kind of was a throwback to high school where you had people around whether they were moms or just great fans that wanted to do whatever they could for the program and they decorated your locker room and they took pictures and made scrapbooks and did all those kinds of things and and that's what she brought and uh people don't know how valuable that is until it's gone and uh fortunately you know stacy passed with pancreatic cancer about three three and a half years ago and uh, we haven't had that type of a, of a culture from that standpoint since then, but we will never forget her. And uh, it's really, really nice that we've got this tournament to honor her. So a one loss team now heading into what is widely known to be the toughest road trip in the big 10, as you go to Wisconsin on Friday and Minnesota on Saturday, what areas of the team do you think improved the most in this last weekend? You mentioned you're going to look back at the Stacy Clark field, how do you think your team kind of composed themselves and, and how do you think they improved? Well, I think we got uh, a lot done with our serving and passing game. Um, we were challenged. Murray State was a really, really good serving team and did some things that we had not seen a lot of 
prior to this weekend. And um, so that was a good experience for us to have to face face that. Uh, our passing numbers continue to improve. Uh, Matty Skimmerhorn, the freshman, is just solid as a rock passing the ball. And you don't find freshmen that can come in and do that very often. Some of the best backcourt players I've ever recruited could not come in and pass the way that Maddie Skimmerhorn is right now. Um, so that's that's a treat to see uh, what she's doing. And then, of course, we've talked a lot about Otec in the past and and how she's passing. And, and Marissa Horning, you know, who, who is our second libero for all practical purposes, doing a great job. And Caitlin Newton is 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 holding up beautifully, passing as well. And then we we since the Notre Dame match, we we've really emphasize serving. And I think that we're serving bullets right now. That's that's becoming a strength of our game, and it's going to have to be moving forward. I think, you know, blocking was something. I think Eastern Michigan, when they were in system, they, they did some things that were really difficult to defend, and I think that helps prepare you moving forward um, to play teams like Wisconsin and Minnesota who have such great offensive uh, firepower. But I think those are the th- things that I think that was good. And then the, then the other thing would be just making sure we got our middles in the offense. And our middles were, were, were fantastic this past weekend. You know, Blake, the first two matches before, you know, she got hurt uh, on Friday night. And then uh, – Shivana Catino all weekend long, and then J.L. Johnson, every time she got a chance to step on the floor and play, I think she hit over 500 for the weekend. So getting those middles involved to go around players like Newton and Cleveland uh, make a big difference on a team. Catino had a stretch on Saturday where she had nine kills in 10 swings after going 1-2-4 in the first set. And so Bush getting those middles involved I assume will have to be a focal point against the block on the outsides that's going to be formed against Wisconsin and Minnesota, two of the best blocking teams in the nation. Well, you know, like I mentioned, if you can develop, uh, obviously Blake is is very very talented, and 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 uh, she's going to get the job done. I don't think there's any question about that. But between Catino and Johnson, if or both of them, if they can um, put balls away both in front and behind the setter, like they have been doing. Uh, it, it makes it difficult to defend a team that also has prolific hitters, in my opinion, like Newton uh, and and Grace Cleveland. And then I think our, our L2 spot's going to continue to develop as time goes on because we have three really good athletes that are out there fighting their, their tails off to you know compete for that spot. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of positives that come along, and, and I think that Bush is doing a great job of, of making it all happen. So now taking a look at the two upcoming teams and just the mm-hmm. – the fluidity around the conference and the nation. Wisconsin, a team that's been struggling. They've lost four straight home matches. They were just swept by Washington in the uh, the battle for UW. And that will be a focal point for them, obviously, moving forward and, and something that they could be angry about. And then Minnesota on the other side, Coach, they got the revenge win against Oregon, who knocked them out of the tournament a season ago. And then the upset over Stanford about a week and a half ago. So now when you take a look at these two teams, where do you think they stand in the scale of Big Ten as, as we sit right now? Toward the top. Um, uh, Wisconsin, uh, I don't know if all four of those are home losses. They lost at um, Washington on Sunday. I know that they lost at home to Marquette and Baylor and Washington. Was there somebody else in there? Um, I, I don't know if there was, but all I know is that they're, they're one of the best teams in the country, and uh, they have pretty much their entire unit back from a team that uh, was an Elite Eight team a, a year ago, and uh, or at least 
were they Elite Eight or were they Sweet Sixteen? I can't remember if they got to the Elite Eight or not, but uh, they're loaded. And we saw them this spring, and uh, uh, they put on a show here in Holloway Gym. So we we know we'll have our hands full with with Wisconsin, regardless of what their their non conference. Um, success has been they they went out and, and they they felt like they were going to be really really good and they scheduled really really tough and sometimes when you do that you know you, you're going to lose a few but uh, from an RPI standpoint they'll survive that and and at the end of the year uh, I, I I believe that they're going to be really tough Minnesota you know, they stubbed their toe once early at with Florida State on a neutral floor but they have bounced back and been very very good since then I think they lost to Texas in a real Donnybrook uh, in Austin, but they also upset the number one team in the country, Stanford, and uh, have some other good wins. And um, they're just a real solid, um, reliable team. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. You know, if, if we were here, if we when were stumbling into the non-conference play, you know, you might be a little bit stressed out about it. But we're coming in, I think, with guns a-blazing. And I feel like uh, it's a good time for us to go up there and, and just see how, how good this young team is. Um, obviously, we're going to play against some teams that have been the, around the block a little bit, but, and we're going to have to lean on Blake Moeller, have to lean on Caitlin Newton and uh, Shavana Catino and Jenna Otek and even Haley Bush, who's a redshirt sophomore. Those people have to come to play and, and let our young people know exactly what it's going to take to win on the road. Do you feel like after non-conference play is done, you have a set lineup, or is it still moving around? I think there's still some moving parts, which I think is good. Uh, I think it, uh, it forces opponents to to wonder who's going to be in the middle spot. You know, will it be J.L. Johnson? Will it be Shavana Catino? And, and of course, this week we don't even know you know who the M1 will be because uh, Blake Muller is out with uh, an, an undisclosed injury at this point in time, but. Uh, and then the left side hitting position is is still a work in progress, and I think that will probably be that way most of the season. So um, I don't. Have, I mean, we have an idea. We know that we just got to plug one of three people in that L two spot, and and on most nights, I think uh, one of two middles in the M two spot. But outside of that, it's 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 pretty solid. So, do you think that the Wisconsin Minnesota road trip is the toughest one that you guys will have this season? Well, I, I think over the past several years. It has been. Um, when you look at uh, from the time that Carlini arrived in Madison uh, to now that Recky is in her third year, there's seven years where probably four of those, you could say that Wisconsin may have had uh, certainly one of the most dominant volleyball players in the country on the floor. And uh, so they've been really, really tough. But Wisconsin has always been tough. Um, you know, there was a couple of years when my good friend and Ball State teammate Pete Waite was finishing his career where, you know, they, they dropped a little bit in, in the competitiveness. But any other time, they've, they've been really hard to beat, whether it's at home or away. And then whether it's Mike Hebert or whether it's Hugh McCutcheon that's uh, at the helm of Minnesota, uh, they've always been a you know a top ten, top fifteen level program. So it is a tough road trip, but I look at all of them uh, as being tough. Whether you're going to Michigan, Michigan State, we used to make the Ohio State, Penn State trip. Now they've broken them up. I think Penn State is with uh, Rutgers, and Ohio State is with Maryland. Um, but uh, there's not an easy easy road trip. But I, I'd say on paper, if you want to go back and look at you know where teams finish the season, um, probably Minnesota and. Wisconsin would be the two that are a particular road trip that would be the toughest. So the last time that we were in the UW Fieldhouse, a 2-0 lead, 
evaporated late in the season. How can the upperclassmen and the sophomores use that as a learning experience to come back into Madison this weekend? Well, I think that those are things that you you hope that a different nucleus is going to bring a, a different mentality, a different level of toughness and competitiveness that they're going to pull together when those things start to happen. Um, I never felt like that match unraveled. I just felt like we played really well early and then Wisconsin played really well late uh, at a time that they were they were they were awfully good. Um, I think we, even though we've, we lost a first-team All-American, I think we're a more seasoned team this year than we were a year ago. And I, I certainly think the chemistry on this team is as good as it's been in a long time. And those are all things that you hope will, will come into play uh, when you get into those matches. Um, you know, I don't know whether this will be a five-set match or what we'll have up at Madison Fieldhouse, but I, I think it will be a really good match because our team doesn't give away a lot of points. You know, one of the things that we've worked really hard for three years is to become more functional because we were slightly dysfunctional uh, as a team for a couple of years. And, and I think that it's so much fun to watch this team play. Uh, one of the reasons I enjoy going back and watching practice every night and watching our matches over and over is because I like the team. I like the way they play. Uh, they have a good feel for each other. They, they understand uh, what their role is and what their responsibilities are, and, and uh, that makes it more enjoyable as a coach. I remember asking you in the pre-match interview last year in Madison how to stop Dana Redke, and you kind of laughed at me and said that you can't. You know, you just have to hope that you can contain her. And I think 16 kills on 35 swings, if you come out of that, it's something that you kind of want if you can hold her to just that. How do you want to contain her this weekend? Well, it will be a little more interesting this year because last year we had the luxury of, of Grace Cleveland playing in the left side position. And most of the time, Recky runs uh, a slide and she runs right towards Grace Cleveland. And we tried to get that match up as often as we could. I don't think anybody in the country did a better job on Dana Recky than Grace Cleveland did last year. And Grace was just a freshman. But uh, right now, you know, Grace has been moved to the opposite position, so she's on the right side. And so it will be players like Caitlin Newton and uh, one of our three freshmen that will be matched up more on, uh, on Recky. But you, you have to pay a, a tremendous amount of attention to Recky. Uh, you can't let her go one-on-one -on -one against your left-side hitter uh, on a regular basis and expect for her um, to, to slow her down. Recky's just too good. She's six foot eight. And she hits the ball high. You know, you, sometimes people, I think, they, they think of a six foot eight inch woman and they think that well, she must be really stiff or, or non athletic. Uh, she's a six foot eight inch person. Uh, she, I should rephrase that. She's a five foot and 10 inch athlete in a six foot eight inch body. Uh, she can really do a lot of, lot of good positive things. And she's got a great demeanor uh, as well. You know, I, I don't see her get rattled, I don't see her get angry and, and confused she's just uh she's just uh they hit the jackpot when they got her and uh, you know but we have to find a way to as you mentioned we have to slow her down but we also have to slow Haggerty and Duello and Loberg and Hart and and the setter and anybody else that comes into the game but certainly it starts at, right in the hands of uh Dana Recchi and so, you know, it should be noted, I, I did a little, so they went to the Elite Eight, they lost to Illinois in that fantastic four-setter, and it is, it's three straight home losses for Wisconsin, but two of them were without Duello. So a lot of that obviously comes into factor here as, as Big Ten play starts. How important is their outside hitting as, as we take a look? Because you have to be confident 
at least as a player, knowing you can win there because you were up two sets to zero, right? That's a question for our players. Um, you know, I, um, we've won there before. Uh, our, you know, a program has won there a handful of times going up to Madison. It's, it's a fun trip home when you, when you beat the Badgers. Um, but they're a solid team. I mean, they've got top 10 recruits in every position. Hilly's or Lily. Hilly. Hilly. I get confused because we just played Lily from Kentucky. Hilly's a top 10 recruit, I believe. Duello's a top 10 recruit. Their middles, I think, were both top 10 recruits. Their outsides were top 10 recruits. So um, Kelly has done a, a great job of, of, of getting high-profile players um, to come to Wisconsin, and their backcourt is good. They've got two transfers that were, were highly recruited out of high school, and they were highly recruited out of college. And um, – and uh, so they've got really, really good players. And anybody that thinks that Wisconsin is is falling off the uh, the truck is is sadly mistaken. Because I will I will promise you that they'll be an elite eight team at the end of this season. So now it's time to kind of go into a fifth set with Shondell here. And you are a voter in the AVCA polls. So let's take a little look around the nation because a lot of people are wondering, and we are recording this on Monday morning, so we have not seen the latest AVCA polls, which will come out Monday afternoon. That number one spot, it's up for grabs. Who, who did you put there? Well, this is my first year that they invited me to participate in this poll. They didn't tell me it was going to be Upset City, you know, for <laughs> – for the first uh, four weeks of uh, a virtual non-conference play, so it's it's been a challenge uh, to to figure that out. And uh, but I, I I put a lot of time into it, Daniel. I uh, probably more than I should, but As I do I look I look at it and I look at everybody's scores and and how they did against other people and and what they've done recently. And uh, then I also at the end of the day I look at them and I think if you put these two teams on a neutral floor, who wins? And uh, you know I. I'm a guy that recruits a lot, and so I, I know a lot of these players from back when, when they, we were recruiting some of them or I watched them play, and so I feel like I've got a pretty good feel for that, but um, this year has been tough. But I, Stanford is who I voted number one again. It was down between them and Baylor, and Baylor is undefeated and has some really good wins on their docket, but Stanford just is such a dominant crew of uh we talked about the high profile players at wisconsin will go one notch higher and you've got stanford and uh and kevin hamley is not in a big hurry to become great this season he knows it's what they do at the end of the season but what stanford did and i don't know how many weeks they spent traveling on the in the east coast or the midwest but they didn't play a home match until uh byu came in and snake bit them last weekend uh, they've been out traveling, you know, East Coast, Midwest, playing anybody that they could play uh, to give them some great competition. And they've beaten some good teams. Yeah, we, everybody knows that Minnesota beat them and BYU beat them. But they also have some really good wins um, uh, under their belt as well. So I went ahead and went with Stanford. Obviously, as the season develops, that will change. But Baylor has had a great, great season uh, you know, what a job that they've done in a short amount of time of taking Baylor from where, you know, nobody was paying any attention to them to um, doing a, doing great things in the past couple of seasons. So good for them. Yeah, four top ten wins for the Cardinal in Nebraska, Penn State, Texas, Florida. And then you look at Baylor and a lot of people, I wouldn't be surprised, I think, if, if Baylor comes out as the number one team with wins over Creighton, Wisconsin, Marquette, Missouri, and then most recently the sweep over another undefeated team in Hawaii. Now, let me ask you, 
if Pitt would have beaten Penn State on Sunday and stayed undefeated, would they have been number one? Um, on the, in the national poll? Yes. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I think that their big wins have been over Penn State had they beaten them. I, I don't know if they have any uh, a, a ton more uh, on their docket. They're, they're a great team. That, that's the thing about Pittsburgh is that they are a great team. He has, uh, I know he's got an international player. They got two or three players that have got incredible arms. When you look at them, you don't, you don't see one of these teams that just blows you away when they walk off the bus, okay? But when they play on the floor, um, they play really well together because they're a seasoned team with, with a lot of experience. And um, I just think they've got some savvy players with some big arms. Um, but they, they've earned everything they've got, but they did not beat Penn State. They got beat, I think, was it 15-13 or 16-14 in the fifth? 16-14. First home loss in, I think, 30 home matches. Yeah, and uh, so they split that series, Penn State and Pittsburgh, and who would have thought three, four, 10, 15 years ago that Pittsburgh and Penn State would be having a duel like that uh, during a, about a four-day period. But, um, you know, good for Pitt, and it's good for the country, and I think that we're seeing a lot of teams that uh, are making names for themselves right now, which is great for the sport. And then lastly, who has been the biggest surprises in the Big Ten for you so far through the first three, four weeks? Well, I'm really excited about Rutgers, you know, winning winning some matches. That helps everybody in our league when Rutgers put some wins on their dock. And I know for a while they had won about five, maybe five in a row. It seemed like a lot more uh, for them, but I think that's uh, what they did. I think they lost one this past week uh, that would have, you know, snapped that win streak. But I'm happy that, that they're doing better. Um, I think Iowa, there were a lot of questions about what was going out at Iowa after, um, you know, Bon Shemansky uh, left the program, that Vicki Brown came in and and in tough circumstances. But um, they've played very, very well. They, they came in with uh, within a point, I think, of a really close match with uh, Colorado, uh, who's, a, who's a good team. And they've got the, they went five with Iowa State in that big rivalry match up there. So I, I think that Iowa has been – a little bit of a surprise. Indiana is not a surprise to me because I, I know they've got talent. We went five games last year at home and away with uh, Indiana and actually got outplayed in one of those. We just were fortunate to win. And uh, they have almost all those players back and uh, a, a couple of pretty good recruits to add to that list. But th- their, their, their senior class is really good uh, at Indiana. Um, but but I'd say you know if if you're asking for who's who's surprised me I think that those are the three teams that have been probably pleasant surprises for their fans. All right, thanks so much, Coach. Thank you, Daniel. That wraps up episode five of Dig City Purdue Volleyball. We'll be back in a, just a few weeks when we can kind of break down the first two weekends of Big Ten play as Purdue will go to Wisconsin and Minnesota and then host Northwestern and Illinois on a Friday-Sunday. So keep an eye on that schedule there. I think there was a a switch-up at the last minute due to some TV and football situations because that Illinois match will be on national television. So until then, he's Dave Shondell. I'm Daniel Gilman, and this is Dig City. (laughs) 